Welcome to the MMA on Point live chat. We have so much to talk to talk to you guys about today. Excuse me. Unfortunately, Jay is not joining us today. He's been helping Logan Paul and Jake Paul prepare for their upcoming boxing bouts, and he suffered a brutal KO in training. So we can't give you his face today, but he is the voice of God. You might hear him throughout this broadcast. And of course, I am joined by the great Balian, the most velvety voice in all of MMA on point to speak to you guys about all the craziness of UFC 257 and much, much more. First of all, how are you, Bailey, and how are you, my friend? I, I am great, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. What a lovely intro. Hello, everybody. Yes, of course, back once again, just us two today. We'll do our best to, you know, keep things as professional as they always are here on this channel, of course. And yeah, not just 257. I feel like it's it's a monumentous event because it's, you know, the, the first couple of events in January of 2021 coming off the back of three in a row, right, PC? Right, we had, you know, the Holloway card, the little Cheeky Wednesday card with Kiesa, and of course, a big pay-per-view as well. So I'm sure we'll talk touch on a lot of different things but yeah definitely 257 the focus lots to talk about as you said it, i'm excited i hope you're excited sit down little little delay on getting early as well or getting ready excuse me so yeah apologize for that but i'm good man thank you <laughs> yeah and so yes yes speaking oh. as the voice of god here um yeah so i'm still having dental issues and i look like the elephant man right now is the reason why i didn't want to be on camera and host and it's also kind of hard to talk but um just to get us started off telvin uh illustrimo i don't know how you say that give us five dollars said boo we want jason pest sucks like the ultimate warrior hey that means oh. he's actually a fan of the chat to know the ultimate warrior reference that's true He's a liar. It's a compliment, he mate. He loves me. <laughs> nice. Well, I guess if you guys wanted to get started off with topics, just to kind of give us a, a jump off point, what do you guys think about uh, everything with Dustin Poirier and what to do with him next? Who, do, who does he fight next? Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, I think we all want Oliveira. I think everybody wants that fight. That's the, from a sporting point of view, how could you not want Charlie Olives, as Dan Hooker calls him? But um, unfortunately... I think they are going to play back the McGregor fight. Like, I'm not really into it. Um, I, I think we got a pretty decisive answer about how that will go. But um, I think the UFC are looking at Connor. You know, it's a product and they need to make hay while the sun shines. They need to put him in the biggest marquees, the biggest fights they can. I would have personally liked to see him go on fight Diaz in the trilogy fight. And then whoever wins that fight can get back into the championship cluster. But the amount of money that's on the line for Dustin, the amount of money that's on the line for the UFC... I wouldn't be at all surprised if they go with that option, seeing as that's what Dustin is really calling for at the moment. What do you think, Badian? Um, I think anyone who is a fan of the sport or has been watching anything that De Bronx has been doing, Mr. Olives there, uh, you hard to argue eight wins in a row, seven finishes. Uh, last one, you know, it came over Tony Ferguson. So I think there might be a little bit of discussion there, the legitimacy of that win off the back of his loss to Gaethje. Obviously, people kind of said, you know, Tony's on his way out after that one. And yeah, it was a great performance by Charlie Olives, Mr. Charles Oliveira. I'll just call him Olives now. You've, you've thrown me off for that one. Um, but I, I I think, you know, if you look at it as a sports standpoint, you know, Gaethje's coming off a loss, so he can't go in there. Um, there's really no one else in line for that shot, unless you want to consider Chandler. But then again, the body of work put forth by Charles Oliveira is a lot stronger in recent times. And, you know, it's not going to hurt Chandler to get one more win, you know, before getting that shot. You know, Eddie Alvarez, he lost and then had to make his way to the belt 
I think Chandler's got more than two or three fights here in the UFC. So if he's really, really going to make a statement and build some hype in the name for himself, Chandler needs another one. So for Dustin, it's going to be Charles Oliveira. But like you said, I was very surprised as many were to hear him at the post-vice press conference. Not really acknowledge that. Um, he acknowledged Charles more than uh, Chandler for sure, but he did mention the McGregor rematch. And it was kind of one of those moments or almost like not as extreme as Tyron Woodley, or even Bisping to a certain extent. But when you talk a lot about, you know, working your way up the grind, beating everyone, taking out all the contenders, and then you get the belt and immediately it's kind of not looking for the easy fights, but certainly the money fights, you know, he's talking about, you know, Diaz, he's talking about McGregor. He's talking about making the, the money rather than taking on those people that are, are waiting in line for the belt, which he doesn't even have at the moment, by the way, because Habib has still got it. So that's going to get sorted out first. I would like to see, the Charles Oliveira fight. I don't think the McGregor bout gets booked. I think they might push for it. He didn't seem to be into it. There really isn't that much more wiggle room up there. Really, PT, is there? No, I mean, if they do go and they grant Poirier and McGregor their wish of a rematch, uh, John Kavanagh has underlined that as McGregor's um, first port of call following that defeat. I, I guess it's a it's a good chance for them to do Chandler v. Olives for the... Mm. Um, the, the number one contender about like I, I feel as though Poirier is definitely the number one guy in the division I don't think there's any doubts about that and um, I think that win has really underlined the fact that he's the best guy that's not named Habib Nurmagomedov but um would you be interested in seeing that if they go the McGregor route with Poirier would you like to see Oliveira v Chandler I think that would be a very very tasty fight a tough fight as well for Chandler um after already a tough debut against Dan Hooker but he made it look so easy I think, without a doubt, if you put Chandler and Oliveira in a fight together, it will 100% produce the next title contender. Yeah, I can agree with that as a, as a sentiment, as a statement. But, I mean, that that's a very interesting stylistic matchup. But I think in terms of an entertainment factor they'd probably be more keen to make that Gaethje Chandler fight. But then what do you do with Charles Oliveira if, if Dustin rematches Connor? So it's kind of hard to find a place to put him. Does he wait on the sidelines? So you might be right. That that might be the fight to make. But from a marketing standpoint, I think Gaethje definitely has more name value than Charles Oliveira does. And if you're talking about the UFC wanting to make the big fights, the money fights, something that's going to stand out, maybe another co-main event you know, on the, 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 the lightweight uh, title fight when when we eventually get it, whatever it is, I think that Chandler Gaethje matchup is just a, a really, really strong named value fight they can create. But, you know, that does sideline Charles and he's on an eight fight wing streak, but we've seen people with longer win streaks not make their way to the belt. You know, he, he he's not got a whole deal of English behind him. He's, you know, his marketability is is somewhat lessened compared to those other two right there. So it really does depend. You know, we're talking about what's next for Dustin, but I think he is the key piece in this puzzle because wherever he moves, everyone else will have to adjust too. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a Connor fight. I mean, I don't know why Diaz's name is being brought back into it unless it's Connor because of, you know, the opportunity to run that trilogy back. Like you said, he's a commodity that's on his way down. So that, that might be the possibility for McGregor, but... I would prefer, I honestly would prefer to see Chandler Gaethje. I really would. You know, I, I think Gaethje looked phenomenal um, on his way up four fights in, in a row. And then Ferguson was the last of that four. I mean, he looked really, really strong. So, yeah, but, you know, like you said, Dustin's beat all these guys. He's beat all these guys. He hasn't beat uh, Oliveira, though. So maybe that will be the, the fight to make. I, I really don't think we're going to get Chandler Dustin. 
it's going to be Connor or Oliveira. It's an interesting caveat to bring up here because Oliveira, um, I was speaking to a lot of people who are covering UFC 257. Dan Hooker had a quote in the pre-fight interview where he said, basically, Charles Oliveira had an opportunity to fight here. Um, and he didn't take it. And um, a number of people have said to me that it wasn't just one fight he was offered. He was offered a number of fights. And noticeably, Dana White doesn't say Oliveira's name in the post-fight press conference. Mm-hmm. Now, we know Dana to be a man who holds a grudge. And I'm just worried that his um, his lack of willingness to compete at UFC 257 has put him at odds with the UFC brass. I mean, mm-hmm. I think when I'm, when I'm looking online... The buzz is about Oliveira. The the buzz is about even this happened with Gaethje as well. So I'm not putting too much weight in it. But they're like Oliveira has the style to beat Habib. Um, so it's it's interesting that he didn't bring him up. He was saying Chandler v Poirier when uh, Dana was asked about that. He was saying Chandler v Poirier rather than Poirier v Oliveira, which seems to be the popular fight among real fight fans. Like I mean, people who want to see who is the best guy at 155 pounds. So I think it's going to be very interesting to watch what happens with Oliveira. How did the UFC match him and what are the communications? Like Oliveira's come out and he said Poirier's the fight. I think we all agree. But I just I just wonder if uh, his his lack of um, willingness to compete at UFC 257 has really put him in a bad place with the UFC. Yeah, yeah, I I can agree with that. That's definitely something we've we've seen previously with with other fighters, especially when they're at odds with the UFC. I don't know what the relationship is like with Dana, but if you're turning down fights, that certainly doesn't make it any better. And he feels like a much more dismissible name as well. You know, like someone the performance that Chandler had. That's you know, it's an undeniable performance of where you are within that division. Oliveira beating Tony Ferguson, it was dominant, but it wasn't as strong as you know a first round knockout uh, that Chandler's securing there and it's not been as strong as some of the you know the, the KOs that Gaethje had in, in the first round and the performance he put on against Ferguson was a lot more dynamic so I, yeah I just don't I think it's a lot easier to dismiss him being in line for that one number one contender shot if you're if you're Dana White you know he, he has his excuses we, we can see we hear him come up with them all the time you know and those are excuses that he could roll off the tongue as well which you know could be related to whatever he says or or as you said it could be related to the fact that he yeah is is refusing fights hey guys is sorry go ahead babes <laughs> god here uh we just did have a couple <laughs> super chats that i wanted to touch on that are kind of related to this topic uh one was from hunter monzen for 10 bucks connor cursed to Love be background. so hyped that he can't fight top 15 or top 10 guys with no name that's gonna hurt him this might have been good now more will test themselves and want to fight him like RDA. Um, yeah, so I guess the gist of that was, appreciate you, Hunter, for that super chat. I guess they're saying that the problem with him now is just trying to deal with finding somebody who's not necessarily a huge marquee name in 2021. Uh, yeah, what do you guys think about that? And what do you think about the prospect of RDA? I, I like the RDA fight. Like, I mean, I think that, you know, the fight was booked before they have history. But, you know, in terms of not fighting a marketable name, from a business point of view, that would be mental for the UFC to do that. They have got to be looking at Conor McGregor right now as a product whose expiry date is coming up. They need to put him in big fights, make as much money out of him, be at a loss, 
be it a tra- like a like a, a one-sided loss. They need to put him in big fights to make money. I think Connor probably only has two or three fights left, to be quite honest. So it'd be crazy for them to try and rebuild a 32-year-old man with lower fights, you know, fighters further down the rankings, not be not make big marquees. And that's that's really why I think you know they will be swayed into that Poirier rematch. If that's what Poirier wants, if that's what McGregor wants. I mean, the UFC stand to gain too much money. I, I personally would like Oliveira, but um, I just can't see them trying to rebuild McGregor at this age. I mean, what is he in his last four fights? Has he won one fight in his last four? So he well, lost three, to Habib, he lost to Mayweather. Four. Yeah, like he, it's it's just, I, I don't see them trying to rebuild a guy of that age, to be honest. I think that's a good point. Uh, I agree with you, but it depends who you listen to in, in this regard, because Connor's saying he, he just needs more time in there. He just needs more ring time, you know, and, and in 2021, which we're in now, it is a whole year. And, you know, he may only have two or three more fights, but if it's over the course of a year, I don't see anything wrong with someone like RDA, who is a named fighter, who is going to get some level of respect if you beat him, who is an opponent he was scheduled to fight before and is someone he can pick up a win against. Now he's, what, six weeks suspended, I think, Connor? I don't think it's any longer than that as uh, someone has a medical suspension but i think i don't think we should dismiss the rda fight just yet pizza because i think he can if he can pick up a win over rda then that builds his brand back up you know if he's up here and he's a he's a commodity that might be about to drop off yes it makes sense to put him in a fight to make money and cash in on him while you can but what if he's not done what if he everything he said is true and he gets a great win over RDA. Then his stock goes straight back up and you could make even more money off a subsequent fight. Hell, you could get him another win and then make even more money as he sails off into the sunset. So I don't know that we should dismiss the RDA fight as an option. I like it. I think I think we should give him a warm-up fight because if he gets his warm-up fight and he loses it, then we know it's time and then you can put him anywhere you want. Diaz trilogy, whatever, uh, Max Holloway rematch, something crazy. Then you can do that. But I think we should give him the benefit of the doubt. I think we should let him do what it is he he wants to do, which is get some more time in. Now, he might not want to fight RDA, so that might be completely irrelevant. But I don't think the idea of a named, uh, highly touted, high-respected fighter like RDA, which is a winnable fight for Connor, I I don't think we should dismiss that just yet. If they book that fight, I'd be happy with it, with the knowledge that Connor is making his way back to a title. And then we don't lose that. We'll see where he goes from there. I don't think it's an easy fight at all against RD. I don't think it's a layup. I don't think you do either. Um, I, I just, I think it's a horrific fight, to be honest, for Connor. Um, I just can't see them going anywhere other than Poirier or, or Diaz 3. Of course, Diaz has not been the most um, reasonable man when it comes to negotiations uh, from the UFC's mm. point of view. So that could mess things up. But I just... Uh, I mean, if if it's not those two guys, why not RDA? I get it. He needs a fight to really push him into that title conversation. He um, needs that red panty night, you know, that he, he was promised. Yeah, he was promised it, you know. But I just can't see it. I just, I, I think they'd be crazy not to do Diaz three. Like we need to bring some closure to these conversations because I don't I know how long he's going to be fighting for. We need to bring some closure to the Poirier situation, uh, even though a lot of people have got as much closure as they want from that situation, and we need closure to the Diaz situation. We don't mm-hmm. want him to go off into the sunset with us all like, oh, what would have happened if they had a fight again? That's True. the point that all the people in the camp are like, oh, I always want Diaz. I always want Diaz. I actually think they've mm-hmm. left it way too much on the long arm. It does feel right now, though. It does feel right. Both of them are coming off losses. Both of them um, need to push their relevancy into a new kind of um, stratosphere. 
Like, there's no there's no doubt about it. You, you get knocked out in a fight like Connor did against Poirier. Your stock goes down. I think Diaz is the perfect way to bring it back up. I do like the RDA fight. I just feel like it's it's a lot further down the totem pole um, than Poirier and Diaz. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I don't know how much his stock goes up from an uh, from a from a Diaz win. I mean, uh, I think that's an easily somewhat dismissible win compared to maybe not RDA, but I think there's a veterancy, and like you said, it's not an easy fight. I think another fight against Diaz. I, I don't think Diaz has that much respect amongst the hardcores anymore. I don't think we would consider him back on form. If he beat Diaz, to me, if he beats RDA and does it impressively, that's much more of a, a reinvigorating confidence building performance for, for myself to see Connor do something like that. I think, OK, cool. Right. He's proven. And that, you know, I get what you're saying. You know, why wouldn't they put him in a massive fight? He's beyond the point of these lower level fights, but he did fight Cerrone. And that's kind of what the idea was behind that fight. Get him in there, get him against someone, you know, who is a winnable fight. Now, I'm not saying RDA is an easy fight, but it's a winnable fight. The Diaz fight was a winnable fight, but those two fights were wars, man. And if he goes through another war, like even if he wins and goes through another war, I mean, what do you do with him then, right? So it's it's two schools of thought. I understand. Cash in now or give him a chance and cash in later. But, I mean, they they as good as, like, Poirier v. Connor should have been for the title because, as we know, Habib True. isn't making any noises. If he just has to beat 170-pound Donald Cerrone, who's got his face smashed open twice in the space of a year, and then he's back into that conversation, I mean, it really doesn't matter. He could fight True. me and probably end up in the title conversation. You know what I mean? Like, that's just <laughs> what McGregor is for them. They, mm -hmm. they they break all the rules for Connor. Always have. And True. I think it's it would be interesting if they went against Poirier's wishes and they put him in against Charlie Oliveira or one of those lads. Because that would say to us that McGregor's lost his pull. That would be a really interesting situation. Ooh, I, I think. Mm, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, what you got, Jay? Come on, babes. Yeah, a couple of quick things here. Um, JT, though, actually in the chat. Um, and oh. Actually, before that, Carson uh, says we need to work on the audio. We'll get right on that, Carson. Really appreciate you for helping Thanks, us guys. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a troll commentary. It's fun. Uh, but anyhow, so Jay Tivo pointed out that actually Poirier made 156 for the weight. So technically, he wasn't eligible for a belt. I'm sure that would have changed if it was officially a title. Well, it's not fight. a bleeding title. The extra yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think no. it's a good point to bring up that, you know, like, um, even if they wanted to make a last-minute decision following that way, and they just couldn't have. But it's, uh, yeah, certainly if he but they want to be able, they, they want to be able to market that. Yeah, they yeah. want to be able to market a title for it. There's no way to go on the day of it. Do you know what, lads? Yeah, of course. It's yeah. for a fucking belt. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, it's not gonna happen. Have they ever done that? They sometimes they Probably. strip people. Like <laughs> as soon as the fight starts, he's getting stripped. That's happened before, right? I swear. Yeah, that's happened a couple times. Supposedly it was supposed to happen for the um, Colby uh, being stripped from welterweight, and mm -hmm. then it did happen for both Connor and Ferguson um, at two twenty three. For Colby, it ended up being way later, but it kind of unofficially was the Till versus Woodley fight. Anyhow, though, mm -hmm. um, Zachy499, Super Chat. Hey, guys, love the content. With Chandler's recent success, recent success, do you think more Bellator guys will want to make the crossover to the UFC? Also, Duval? I don't know what the Duval reference is. That's probably an American Duval football reference, and I just don't know. But what's up? This is the bear, the Belgian bear, Duval. It's fabulous. <laughs> um, I've had eight of them once and uh, completely blacked out. So if you're talking about that, love that shit, mate. Um, what was the question? Again? I hope it is. But um, do you think more Bellator guys will want to make the crossover to the UFC with the success of Chandler? 
I mean, Patricia, you want to see it, of Bellator. Right? Oh, I want to see it, but I think like a lot of fighters on Bellator wish they were in the UFC, if they were going to be completely honest. You know what I mean? I feel like there's only a certain amount of guys who are on crazy money um, that want to be there. Patricio's probably on wild money, deserves to be on wild money. Um, and of course, after Chandler does that, one of the first things I said to you guys in the group was like, holy shit, man, Patricio is unbelievable. He's quality. Mm-hmm. I know people say, oh, well, he, he since he fought Chandler, he hasn't fought this and that. Every time they put someone in front of him, he starches them. You can't argue with that. I'd love to see him in the UFC. Um, I know the UFC were interested in James Gallagher for a long time as well. They were probably looking to kind of market him alongside Connor. Um, obviously, James probably needs to take a big step up and get a big win before UFC fans will be considering him, oh, this guy could go in and shake things up. He's probably a good bit off that. But, um, you know, it's it's been a mixed bag, as we talked about before. Will Brooks came over, and he's a guy who's beaten Chandler twice, and he didn't really set the world on fire. So it's always a mixed bag. Oliveira a lot of beat him. Don't... Sorry? Oliveira beat him. Oliveira beat Will who? Will Brooks. Oh, Will Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... It's always been a mixed bag. Of course, Eddie Alvarez won the title. A lot of people talk about Michael Venom Page coming over someday. I, I think a lot of these guys, the big names from Bellator, they use it at the negotiation table with Bellator. They use the fact that the UFC are interested. It's probably only a few people, but certainly the big guns, the big names, I think they're always at the negotiation table with the UFC before re-signing to Bellator. It's all about making money. Price fighting, baby. What do you guys think um, about Nemkov? Oh, sorry. You can go ahead with that. That can be the next. I, I was going to say, I'm inclined to agree, but I mean, I think some of them are very well taken care of. Like, like you mentioned, PT, I think it, some of them, it's a pay cut. You know, I don't think Chandler's move to UFC was, was solely based on monetary value. It, it was legacy for him as well, you know? So he, he wanted to make that jump. But he, when he talked about it being the right time, it's almost as if, you know, this is a time where money isn't necessarily the key factor. It's about taking the opportunity to continue my legacy when I can. So I think some of them probably aren't, aren't aren't as bothered as you think considering the fact that they're probably quite well taken care of i know bellator go to a few countries the ufc doesn't right they they do a few shows in hawaii right like the ufc doesn't do that so it depends where you're from what your motivation is um and i think if any um organization is going to send fighters over or people are going to see them leave the ufc it's probably going to be somewhere like the, the pfl right because they they aren't running right now because of covid so you know that's much more of a an organization to keep your eye on i think than than bellator at the moment but the bellator thing is like i mean they aren't like the ufc like it's it's rare for the ufc i know in covid times they aren't going anywhere but it's rare for the ufc to ever struggle to sell tickets in a different market you know i think poland with ksw was one of the regions they've struggled with in the past but uh if they book a, an event in Ireland, they don't even need to release a card. It's going to sell out. Same as the annual UFC London card. Right. It could be absolute dog shit and the tickets are all going to go straight away because people are buying it for UFC. But the value in Peter, people like Gallagher is Bellator go all over Europe and they can't sell out a venue. And he sells out the three arena, the same place Connor beat Brandao every single time. Pretty much there, thereabouts, it's always within 10% of the capacity every time he fights there. And you can't buy that kind of talent, you know what I mean? Someone that can do that, someone that can provoke that kind of, um, you know, energy amongst the fan base. Like, I was, I think, a couple of weeks out from each other. I was at James Gallagher's fight in the three arena, which was sold out. And then I went to London the next month to watch MVP. And the the I think there was only 5,000 people there. So, I mean, that will show you how valuable he is to them. And, of course, I think you're right. I don't think – it's not a money issue. I think when I said uh, most Bellator pro- fighters probably want to be in the UFC, it's because of the status. I think they probably can make more money with Bellator, but 
it, it's the status thing. UFC is still the top dog. I, 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 I do believe that Bellator is a major promotion. I'm not trying to say they're small fry at all. They're a major promotion. But UFC is still the one, right? It's the one that we all got in, involved with the sport with, really. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so looking at some super chats here, um, we got one from Hunter here. So what does he say? Should have admission style like champions from different leagues after two defenses get admitted as contender to the UFC if they could get everyone to sit down together. Mm. Interesting. Well, that would still be under that'd be still underlining the UFC as the top dog, which wouldn't suit yeah. the promotions. Yeah, that's a tough situation to try to get through. Um, it, yeah, it's always tough when you're trying to marry two completely different entities together, along with the fighter themselves, where you have to work out a contract. It's just a very difficult. That's, that's what we do with the with the ESFL. Is we have the other the other leagues, and if you're a defending champion, you generally get a shot at the the ESFL, which is the the yes. higher end esports league. So it works that way. We're all friends. <laughs> it's I think Bellator are the only ones that are really doing interesting things in terms of co promotion. I mean, mm-hmm. Royce and, and Bellator have gone back and forth. Got some great matchups there. Um, I think they could do more of that in the future. They were also talking to KSW. Um, I don't know if this is out there or whatever, but they were talking. It is out there. They were talking to KSW for a while about Roberto Saldich and Paul Daly fighting. I mean, I know me and Jay have talked about this before. That would be fucking ridiculous if that happened. Those kind of things are brilliant. If you can do things that the UFC can't do, yeah. it makes you more appealing. And I think yeah. that's the way they should continue to build. It's a win-win situation, I feel, for KSW and Bellator to come together, especially on them European cards, because Bellator still need to fortify their presence in Europe, and KSW already have, to a certain degree, fortified their presence in Europe. So I think it makes perfect sense. And please, if they do it, do Paul Davy, Paul Daly v. Roberto Solich. I'd be yeah. very happy. Thank you. The cross-promotion, definitely something unique that they, they're able to offer that the UFC just is never going to take a part in, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the the fighter to be the most excited about right now in KSW for me. So I'm glad you brought him up. Wait, can I bring up another one? Absolutely. Not. This weekend is <laughs> go for it. Go for it. This this weekend is KSW 58. I talked about it on the first show of the year with Jay Saladin Parnas is fighting this weekend against Daniel Torres. He is unbelievable. Also, Shamil Musayev is fighting. Urso Jurisic, I don't know if I pronounced that right. And the winner of that fight will determine Roberto Saldic's next challenger for the 170-pound title. So it's a huge fight card this weekend. And and both guys in that welterweight title eliminator are unbeaten. Mosoyev is one of the best talents I've seen. I would genuinely, if he fought Saldic, I wouldn't know what way it would go. He's that good. He's called the silent assassin. Fascinating, fascinating. Well, um, we did have another super chat here from James Morgan 499. For me, the winnable fight that Dana could make that's kind of a last shot for both guys is Connor versus Tony Ferguson. Both exciting, both have fan bases. And there's a huge story there as well because Ferguson yeah. was um, on Paradigm. Where you he was, at uh, Nuggets. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, all that as well. Dude, he all said that exact same names. thing twice, by the way. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. ever caught that. He did the exact same speech. He's like, "Where the fuck you at, McNuggets? You piece of shit." Like, yeah. <laughs> exact same thing. What he did it after two fights. It was uh, the Kevin Lee fight, and I can't remember the other fight. But go, go on. Sorry. But, but there's something. There's something even more interesting. When he was signed to Paradigm, Connor's also signed to Paradigm. Connor's the big dog at Paradigm Management, sports management, and. 
a lot of people felt, well, Tony Ferguson specifically felt as though his chances to fight for the title, you'll remember that a lot of people wanted Tony to fight for the title for so long before he even got the interim title shot. And he felt as though he was being held back uh, by Paradigm or, or Connor or something to do with that situation mm-hmm. um, because Connor wanted to be in that title picture despite going off to fight Mayweather and all this stuff. So uh, I think if they could play into that storyline, it would be unbelievable. This guy has taken everything I live for and all this kind of crap. You know yeah. what I mean? That would be great. I, I, I would bring that back around to, to my earlier question is, you know, who has more uh, you know, name value? Well, it's an interesting point because it's already the UFC more interested in. Are they more interested in kind of getting a win over somebody um, that's more marketable or getting a win over somebody that has more sort of credit attached to it? I mean, I would assume it would be the more marketable answer every time. But, you know, what's better from us as, as fans to see Connor do? Like beat RDA or beat Tony Ferguson? Like what do we consider the greater achievement or the more difficult fight for Connor? Oh, what do we consider the, the more difficult yeah. fight? What would you think? Um, I think they're all difficult for him at the moment. Um, I was speaking to Jay and Tom. <laughs> he's just about off this. the McGregor train. Like, he's no, not no, even... Like, no, it, but you you got to... Like, I mean, I I was um, I was very confident in Conor ahead of this fight. The most I've been since he fought Alvarez. Because all the other camps, we just didn't have a clue what was going on. Mm-hmm. Everything we were hearing from them wasn't good. This one was perfect. That's the situation, right? He was in great condition. Um, you can talk about his stance, all that kind of stuff. He was in a great mental place. He presented himself great all week. Uh, he looked in unbelievable condition, the best condition yeah. we've seen him at 155 pounds probably ever. And that's what it, that's what it produced. And that's why it's kind of like, I think that was as good as he could have been on the night. And he came up short. Uh, Dustin was pretty emphatic in the second round. And then when you look at the division, Justin Gaethje's leg kicks v. Conor McGregor, RDA's leg kicks v. Conor McGregor, it's tough. And that's why I'm looking at Diaz like this is a winnable fight. This gets him back in the win column. We know from the Cerrone fight that they aren't all that concerned about who he wins against before putting him in uh, the title mix again. So I, I think that's why um, I think I don't even think it's like I don't think the UFC kind of factor in like who's going to challenge Conor Moore. It's like we, we need to get this guy winning again so he can he can get back into these yeah, big marquees. I agree. That's why I think that it's uh, they might be inclined to make that RDA fight. But and the reason I bring that up is because Tony is coming off the back of two losses, two performances where he's looked less than himself subsequently each time. And if Conor goes in there and knocks him out in 40 seconds or something, that doesn't really do much for the you know, fan interest. I, I mean, obviously it does Conor's back with a win and just on the general commercial level, obviously people are going to eat it up. But to most of us, it's going to be like, well, you know, Tony's not exactly been himself recently. That yeah. fight is nowhere near as valuable as RDA is still almost at a resurgence point once again in his career. Um, and yeah, I don't think either fight is necessarily easy, but I think that the RDA fight is probably one that we would, if he can look good in that fight, it would it would it would play and rub off a lot better than him looking good in 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 the uh, the Ferguson fight. I agree. I agree with you on that one hundred percent, Bailey. Yeah, I think I I think RDA is a is a very tough challenge, and and again, I'd probably put him, you know, under Diaz and um, Poirier, but I do think it's a better fight than uh, Tony Ferguson. Question on that point, actually, about RDA. Do we know? Of somebody who's kind of uh, RDA had a rough patch early on, you know, getting knocked out by Jeremy Stevens, and then he ended up surging towards the title. Notably, lost to Habib Wahhabib uh, 
right after that went on his, you know, two year injury kind of epidemic thing where he was out of the sport for a while. He probably could have fought for the title even earlier, but Artie came back, fought for the title, won, was super dominant for, you know, the short amount of time that he was on top uh, in both that Cerrone and that Pettis fight. But I don't know that we've ever seen somebody come back again and get a title. Is there mm-hmm. is there anybody that we can think of that really draws a parallel to that if, if RDA can manage to do it? The only person I can think of off the top of my head, Jay, and he wasn't a champion before, uh, but it was just crazy that he won it was Robbie Law. Yeah, I was because about to say I think, Robbie. I think everybody thought Robbie's best days were behind him. Wins, yeah. You know, wins the wins the fight against Hendricks and then he defends the title twice and two amazing championship bouts with yeah. Rory McDonald and Carlos Condit. But I, I can't and that's we have to factor this into the McGregor I mean, thing as well, right, Jay? Because I like he's been he was the champion five years ago. It's not like yeah. you know, this is a this is a different game, especially when you're Conor McGregor and you rely so much on your speed, athleticism, explosivity, things like that. Like they go when you when you get yeah. beyond 30. You know what I mean? They just yeah. aren't there anymore. Like I think I would say Sorry, go ahead. Before the Dominic Cruz as, as well, I think, is someone who did that also. Yeah, so I guess what I'm thinking about is a little bit of a different example though, because um in so a lot of people in the chat they're saying you know GSP things like that but I'm thinking somebody who actually had a real downturn in their career to where like in Dominic Cruz's case he was injured obviously and that took him out for a while but he never actually had like a downturn with like losses GSP he just kind of left and came back and won again he actually never lost even though I thought he lost to Johnny Hendricks I'm just trying to think if there's anything like that if anything comes to mind for me it's Randy Couture because it seemed like every time he went to Japan, mm. he just lost and really badly. <laughs> he also had the knockouts uh, from Chuck Liddell. Um, Inton Inoue beat him. Valentin Overeem beat him. Um, yeah, just really trying to think of somebody who's had to claw their way from the depths multiple times and not just get one title reign, but more than that. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a really niche kind of uh example I, I suppose you know if he does it cody garbrandt could be in that, that that vein there as well um i mean people bouncing back but not winning the title gaethje obviously kind of bounced back very well after his subsequent losses so yeah i think i think you're right i don't think there's many people that find their way back to the title path after after getting knocked i mean that's the thing isn't it we talk about all the time it's so hard to get a title shot so many people work their way up get the shot don't get it and then you know they get knocked down the pecking order they might work their way back up to it again but you know it's very very hard to get that that position secured and then to make your way back there's even harder you know it's it's interesting because I, i don't i don't think like you know, fan sentiment is where it was with McGregor before, but there still seems to be this belief somewhere inside people that, you know, even after that defeat, if he gets a win, he he can show up in that conversation again and maybe crack someone with the left hand. It's just an interesting thing. I think he's an anomaly in that respect, to be honest. Yeah, well, so he created magic before our eyes, Pete You know, we want to believe. We still do. Um, but obviously, I mean, listen, whatever, everything you said about athleticism, of course, is is very relevant. And, you know, but we, we see a reinvention of a lot of people. I will say mainly at heavyweight this happens, where people are able to adapt and, and reinvent their styles to, to you know, 
counter the, the, those weaknesses that they develop. You know, Overeem's done it a lot. JDS has done it a lot. Um, so it's not beyond the realms of, of possibility for, for people to find their way back. But, you know, what, what, how does Connor reinvent himself? You know, like you said, he still only has that, that left hand typically. But, you know, I'm inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt at least one more time until I see him compete again because... He had the Diaz fight. He assessed what went wrong. He went back, made some changes, came back, and he he adjusted very well in that rematch. Completely changed the game plan. He started throwing leg kicks. Went with the stiff boxing. Uh, didn't chase him to the ground. It was you know he made a lot of adjustments and, and rounded out the weaknesses in that fight. You know, I'm inclined to believe he's able to do that again and, and take a logical assessment of, of of where his weaknesses are and try and you know change those moving forward i mean that might not happen and you might be right it might be a case of just he's losing his timing and his speed but it's another one of those things where we shouldn't really lean too much into mcgregor and his failings because dustin poirier did everything right in that fight and he took some shots on the chin you know so it's not like mcgregor wasn't even able to land his weapon it just wasn't working against that opponent of course it might not work against subsequent opponents either we don't know so yeah, what do you think of the fact that they're they're talking about the the leg kick so much? I know it obviously completely debilitated him, but like I mean, it's nearly like to the point where people are saying like he didn't get like knocked out by by Poirier now. Like you know, it's it's become so much about the leg kick that people are seem to completely discount the fact that in the last ten seconds, Poirier unloaded on the guy and clipped him with a beautiful short right hand yeah. that completely put him away. Like well, I feel like that. The conversation's Sorry. gone towards the leg, and no one's talking about the fact that McGregor got put out by Poirier. Yeah, I mean, if you want my additional assessment of the fight, aside from the leg kicks, it was the counter-boxing of Poirier that really served him very, very well in this matchup. I mean, he knew from previous experience, especially with all the talk Connor's saying coming in, he's going to, Connor likes to take the center, push to the cage, and advance. And Poirier doesn't have to go to him. He doesn't have to seek him out. Connor was going to come to him throughout the fight. So he really worked on the counter boxing, did a lot of slipping off to the left-hand side outside of that left hand. Connor had to adjust and start following up with his lead right because he was getting on the outside of that left. And Connor, uh, Poirier was landing beautiful check right hooks throughout the fight, yeah. three, four, five check right hooks. As soon as that left hand came over the top, he just circled out away from the left to his right-hand side into that check right hook. And, you know, that was just... I think a huge part of the game plan, obviously the takedown initially just upset the rhythm of McGregor gave him a break in that action where he likes to set the pace and pressure leg kicks are just a constant chopping weapon that a hundred percent played a factor in the fight and in the finish, especially because against the cage there, Connor's knee gave way as he chopped that calf kick. And then he stung him with that check, right? But that bought him the time to circle. Connor literally just stood and pivoted on that right foot. And he didn't, you know, back away from the cage after that, that foot was gone after that final calf kick but of course throughout that it is the stinging shots that, that build up that attritative damage throughout the course of a fight throughout the course of his career it's very similar to the shot nate diaz was uh, hitting him with as well just that cheeky you know slapping lead right hook from southpaw and yeah i think Poirier had a great game plan in that as well very light on the toes just circled lots of slipping like this and just that check right hand i think was a huge weapon in the fight and uh yeah it, it helped get the finish as well i mean that's the the shot that wobbled him before the sequence but Poirier beats everyone in that position. Poirier beats any version of Connor in that position. Poirier beats 90% of... He beats Habib in that position. If you've got your back to the cage and Dustin Poirier standing in front of do. you... Yeah, from the beginning of his career, one of his amazing abilities was his just confidence to square up 
against the cage. You know, he doesn't stand and plant like Connor does and, and circle you into that left hand. He squares up in like a, a forward stance, Rumble Johnson style, and just swings both hands, both hooks. Great power because he's, you know, he's an orthodox southpaw. So that right hand is is money for him and, and that's really a position he has always always done well in so yeah as soon as anyone gets in that position they're, gonna, they're probably gonna lose the fight you know and i just want to i just want to say um like i'm not trying to say that connor looked past it in there on the night i think he looked great in the first round but that only makes what poirier did more impressive mm. you know like that like he showed up connor showed up looking great well prepared Um, i know people are talking about the stance and everything like that but this is what happens in the fight game but Poirier survived that first round so well. Like, I mean, he didn't look better. As soon as I saw him pointing at Connor, I was like, oh, shit. This is a <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I was like, oh, shit. When he does that, but um, that's the Yeah, Connor made that face like... That's how impressive like, it was. Like, it was. You yeah, know what I mean? It like, was. That yeah. was a very good version of Connor that uh, that Dustin withstanded before putting him away in the second. Well, yeah. um. Just to move it on a little bit and wrap up uh, a bit of that that question that I'd asked, somebody brought up Masvidal, if you count the BMF for people that are resurged, kind of we like don't. what RDA is looking to do. Yes. I don't think that's quite no. about the, the same, but I, I get the point. BJ Penn actually is a good example because he won the welterweight belt, went off to K1, lost, and then came back and won the belt. And he also lost to Jens yeah. Bolver before all that, tied with Cal Uno, and the division went on hiatus for a I mean, he was years. fighting the Auto Machida at 204 pounds, though, wasn't he? When he, he went off. He lost another fight too, didn't he? I thought he lost another oh, fight yeah. while he was away. I, I could Yeah, he lost it. Lost that. a few. But he also lost all those fights at Welterweight when he came back. He lost to, you know, uh GSP. And uh I think he lost yeah, he lost the second one to Matt Hughes when he came back. And then he went down to lightweight and then won the belt there. So those are actually really great examples. But moving it on a little bit, we had talked about in you know, kind of the warm up to all this. Uh, a little bit about Vittori versus Till being booked. I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on this one. So uh, maybe we'll start with you, PT, since it was uh, something you wanted to talk about today. I think Vittori has done an astronomical job. I mean, absolutely unbelievable. People used to laugh at this guy after the Israel Adesanya fight. Like, oh, this guy, he, th he thinks he's going to get back to a title shot now that Israel's the champion. He is knocking on the door right now. His performance against Jack Hermanson on short notice was absolutely unbelievable. Jack Hermanson is top of the food chain there. He's there or thereabouts at middleweight. And uh, Hermanson was supposed to fight Till, of course. Didn't happen. Tori comes in. And, and it was a 25-minute fight. And he looked absolutely unbelievable. I think this is a brilliant fight. I have dubbed it the European UFC middleweight title fight. And I love it. I love it. I love the fact that when Vittori won, Till went straight online. He said, let's do it. And then Marvin gets on to him and says, yeah, send me a meme of myself. And he sends him some very ugly gentleman just to uh, get the juices flowing. But this is going to be a very fun fight. Marvin looks really together on the feet. I think Till's a brilliant striker. He just doesn't really mix it up with grappling. So he's, he's kind of one-dimensional in that sense. But I think this is a really, really brilliant fight. And where else do you go? Marvin Vittori must be knocking on the door of a title shot or just one fight away if he beats Darren Till. And then... I wonder if people will still be laughing about his claims for Israel Adesanya and a rematch. 
I, I think, yeah, I mean, everything you just said, I mean, he's looked really, really good since that Israel Adesanya loss. And that's one of those losses that we see time and time again, like Poirier's loss to, to Connor the first time that just, you know, projects people to a higher level to, to send them back to the gym, to work on their game, to make them realize, you know, there are levels to this and, you know, I need to step up my game and advance if I, if I want to beat these guys. And he, he feels like a sponge to me, you know, he's really able to just hone his game, take, you know, training from, I, I can't remember what camp he is at i know he's at a very good camp though is he at uh 360 at um, king's mma king's right he's a come on man that's a you're gonna learn how to strike if you're at king's right and he's he's really really taken all that knowledge being surrounded by all those veterans and yeah he looks fantastic he really really does and has the has a country behind him as well you know that that's always inspiring so yeah i think um yeah, it's a nice it's a nice arc for Vittori. He's got a chance to really prove how how good he is. And uh, yeah, I don't know why we count people like this out because there's so many of these young kids who who get losses, but then just really, really step up to the plate. I mean, like Gaston lost to, to Woodley, you know, and then he goes on that huge run and just really shows what he can do uh, at 185 as well. So it'll be, a, was it a 205 fight for the Hermanson fight? Was that, a, didn't they? Was there a weight class? Was it a catch weight or something? I can't remember. Maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking something different there. But um, I think that it's an interesting matchup against Darren Till because you know Till's had some some good fights and some bad fights. I feel like you know he had that Wonder Boy fight that catapulted him towards a title shot, and some people thought he lost that fight. Some people thought he won. He got the nod, and then he had the Whitaker fight, and it's kind of like a parallel of the same situation, but he gets the L this time. So he's almost too technical for his own good sometimes back in the day he used to be a bit more aggressive and really you know starch people smoked him had a lot more of an active clinch game um and i think vittori is definitely someone who's he's gonna bring a, a well-rounded mma skill set not gonna be afraid to take him down not gonna be afraid to bully him against the cage not gonna be afraid to get on the inside he's got quite a short you know reach and build so he has to step inside that close boxing range and that's where darren's had a lot of problems in the past he he frames off a lot in those situations and he's been caught with a lot of shots doing that so um but that being said based on how well till did technically against whitaker who i think is absolutely phenomenal as a striker at 185 i mean he has got an incredible technical uh you know understanding of mma striking as well as power speed technique and entire arsenal of strikes it was just a really beautiful fight that i think if he can he can take Whitaker to a decision and not get caught or clipped by him i think he's got a good chance against vittori of of keeping this fight on the outside in the range he needs to keep it to to win this fight um he, I mean, he beat, he took that win off Gastelum in a similar fashion. I think he he probably can can perform well in this one. He needs to have you know that that same confidence that he used to have in himself, though, which you know was definitely knocked after those double knockout losses. I wonder, will a loss to Marvin Vittori prompt Darren Till back down to one seventy? Because he's lost. Look, there's no shame in losing to Whitaker. He he edged out Gastelum for his debut at one eighty five, but. I feel as though Darren's really at middleweight because he wants that fight with Stoilbender. He is, he loves, like, before Stoilbender was a champion, these two guys were at each other. Two uh, pure strikers. They really want to fight each other. If he loses to Vittori, do we see him go back down to 170? Obviously, he had trouble against Thompson. I was at that fight in Liverpool, uh, making weight. He, he missed. But then after that, he brought in um, a chef, the Shevsky, as he's called. Um, he will. He lives with him at the moment, getting him ready for this fight. Um but his weight cuts went a lot better against Masvidal um, and a lot better against uh, Tyron Woodley. Obviously, the results didn't come with it. But I just wonder, 
would 170 become a more prevalent option for Darren Till if he was to lose to Marvin Vittori? I mean, he, he was getting knocked out at 170. He, he's not getting knocked out at 185. You know, one thing that, that weight cuts do tend to do is compromise your your conditioning or, or your chin, your ability to take a shot. I mean, we saw Poirier take a few shots off McGregor a lot easier. Uh, and we've seen that with a lot of different weight class changes as well. So, um, I mean, that might be in the back of his mind. I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that. I think, yeah, sure, that, that definitely could happen. Um, but I don't know. That'll be two losses in a row. I don't know what you do with with till then because he's he's like you said he's always someone that's lived for that next fight. I think as soon as he won that Cerrone fight, he just realized you know the power of maybe not superstardom, but you know then he started picking fights. It was you know Mike Perry, and then you know he was always hunting down that individual opponent that he could beef with on social media, build up a certain level of hype, and you know get the fans excited about it. And so he's always been hunting that down. So. You know that that kind of changed his approach. He, he seemed to be a, a little bit more of a not that he's not a humble. Well, maybe he isn't a humble guy, but he seemed a bit more humble on his initial run in the UFC. Um, and then, yeah, after that Cerrone victory, obviously that catapulted him, um, and he kind of changed a little bit in the way he approached the sport as well. So I don't know. His ego will probably take a hit. I, I think I can agree with you on that one. Um, and we saw the effect that, that you know that those two knockout losses had on him. The post fight interview at the, the Gasolum fight, you know, he was he was talking about how he didn't even want to go in there. He clearly had lost all confidence in himself and his abilities to even compete at this level. So I don't know, man. I mean. We might see till, I don't know. He's not. A, he's the kind of guy who I fight, feel would retire before his body will, not because of his lack of ability or his aging process, but because he feels like he doesn't have it in him to compete anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I always think um, a lot of people used to draw parallels between Till and McGregor because of that big southpaw backhand that they throw. Mm. Um, but I think the most similar thing between McGregor and Till is the fact that they can make people believe they make people believe even yeah. when it it doesn't make any sense. Like when he went up to fight Gaslam, I was like, this is a ridiculous matchup. He's after getting KO toys. Why would you put him in against Kelvin Gaslam? And he edges it out. And then it's like, now I look like an idiot, you know? And then, then off of that, he can make people believe that he's going to move towards this middleweight title. And look, I mean, I guess if he, if he beats Marvin Vittori, based on what Marvin Vittori's done, that loss to Whitaker is going to be old news. So, um, can't really rule darren out like that he's a slippery fish yeah i i love the fighting style of darren till it's probably one of my favorite styles in the ufc but just, I, I mean I, i'm a southpaw you know and he's just i just love his style absolutely beautiful to watch well um on that note you know speaking of middleweight clashes title implications whatever you want to say we've got now robert whitaker versus paulo costa on deck a Quality. huge huge fight for the division uh, what do you guys make of this fight? And uh, this time we'll jump to you, Bailey, and to start this one off. Um, I mean, it's the fight. Did they did they just make that fight? Is that what you just said? Did that just happen? Um, let me double check to see if it's official. Yesterday, yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, wow. I, I don't know if it's targeted or official. So you you did see that it was confirmed. I'll pull it up just to double check. I mean, it's it's the rematch we've been waiting for, for for the longest time, right? I mean, we almost got an immediate rematch when it when the first fight went that way. Um, I love it. I, I think it's a great. I think that's definitely the two best guys at one eighty five, one hundred percent. And I've always loved a rematch because 
it's always on it's always up to the person who lost to to make the adjustment and make the changes and and i'd love to see how whitaker changes his approach to that fight you know i'd love to see the difference in his game plan his strategy like israel adesanya he's incredibly dynamic and, and fluid and he, he you know he makes reads during the fight and changes his strategy there but you know he, he we know what he's going to bring to the table it's not anything that, that Whitaker's felt him now. He, he's felt his presence. He's felt his his reach. He's felt his his control of distance. Now Whitaker has a chance to reassess what went wrong, come back with renewed confidence. And we all heard it, you know, after that loss, he needed this is a break. Paolo Costa, this is, this oh, really? Is Costa. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Really? No, Adesanya is fighting Blahovich. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. That's gonna say, right? Like, like, why have they made this one? Okay. Let's just switch <laughs> this back like to that. Time, this is like the time when, when, like um, Jay was like, Cannonier VTL. And I was like, oh my God. I had to Google that there. I was like, holy shit. Robert Whitaker fought Paolo Costa. What is wrong with my brain? <laughs> Man, it's the okay. live stream. I was like, curse. let's get a rematch. It's the live stream. My goodness. Curse. It, it, it was something um, always happens. But um, what I'm seeing here is UFC finalizing Robert Whitaker versus Paolo Costa. So I don't know that it's been like officially announced. Um, you it's know, as, as we look here, I'm pulling up their their Twitter to see if they have actually published anything on it. But yeah, I mean, that's as good as done, if you ask me. Uh, that might as well be already booked. Once you start hearing that from ESPN and outlets like that, it's it's pretty much a done deal. Man, I just all right. My response to that is I I I can't help but feel sorry in some way for Robert Whittaker because he's the guy that fights the baddest, like scariest guys in the UFC. You know, I mean, he took out Jackare when Jackare was unstoppable. No one wanted to fight Jackare, and he knocked him out. And then he fights Yo Romero twice. You know, and now he's fighting Costa. He's just taken on all the killers. And I know, obviously, Adesanya fought him and beat him and, and made it look easy. Uh, but Whittaker, man, he's just you know he he feels like you know like a you know like a rough and ready you know rugby australian lad who's like yeah i'll yeah. fight anyone you know get in there you know it's just a scrap isn't it mate you know so um <laughs> I, I i i love the fight i think it'll be really interesting to see how whitaker deals with the the pace and the pressure of costa i mean you know it depends in my mind how costa what costa felt like he did wrong in the adesanya fight you know because um i want to draw a little bit of a parallel to Nganu and when he lost to stipe and the fight after that we saw Nganu very passive very patient in that horrible fight against um uh Oh, the God, black beast yeah. um so i don't know if costa's going to come into this one in a similar mindset maybe feeling like you know i overexerted myself in that fight i need to maybe pace myself out over five rounds or maybe i need to fight a bit more of a counter approach to this fight or maybe he doesn't think that and maybe thinks you know i need to just rush him so i think it's going to be interesting to see where costa's at mentally after his first loss of his career don't forget that as well right he was undefeated before that one so that's definitely going to play a factor in his approach and preparation to this fight and i think I think Whitaker's just going to stomp that lead leg circle, pump the jab, and just throw the dipping left hook over the top. I think Whitaker's a lot faster than Costa. Costa's got very quick combinations, but I think the blitz of Whitaker and the, the hit and run skirmish style of Whitaker is, is a lot a lot faster than uh, than Costa's. So I think it'll be an interesting fight, but I think I think Whitaker will probably take the take the win um, unless he unless he gets trapped against that cage and but i think that the interesting thing will, will be costa's approach to this and how he feels coming into this one where, where he's at mentally yeah i agree with you i think you're dead right um he needs to make a hell of a lot of changes i'll tell you that much and i think ufc have really given him a bum deal here because uh whitaker has the skill set to absolutely dismantle him in the same respect that adesanya did like adesanya made him look like he shouldn't be in the title conversation 
Like mm. that's the reality of the situation. Costa didn't look like an elite fighter when he was in there with Adesanya. I can't even remember one thing he did in that fight apart from take punches and kicks off Adesanya. So I, I feel like it's a very difficult fight to make. A lot of people felt like Whitaker should already be fighting for the title again. And maybe if Adesanya didn't go and fight Jan Blachowicz at 205, it would be happening again. But I feel like the onus, as Balian said, is on Costa to do something to impress us because if he ends up on the one on the end of a one-sided beating from Robert Whitaker, a lot of people are going to be scratching their heads, going, "What? What do we do with this guy? What do we do with this guy?" Yeah. Probably Darren Tilvey Costa would be an exceptional bout to make, um, regardless of what happens between Vittori and Darren Till, it, whatever happens after this. But I feel like that's a really bum deal for Costa. I would bet my gaff on Whitaker winning that fight. Well, we know Costa's got some good training partners, haven't we? He's been training with, uh, was it Logan Paul, that guy? I think that's... Oh, uh... I didn't know. Can I can I change my pick? Yeah, sorry. Costa's definitely right. going to win. You're dead right, Valiant. I think he knocked him out as well. I might be wrong about that. I'm pretty sure I've seen a video of him just like crushing Yeah, I think I sure. saw it. Yeah, I think I saw it. <laughs> I it's like going to be mental just following that guy, but props to him. When are we going to talk about the real fight news, Jay? Yeah, Jay. Yeah, yeah, 100% it is. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Look, fair play to Ben. Go and make your paper, boo-boo. I don't, I'm not going to hate on you for that, but I am very oh, fucking worried, lads. Hang on, sorry. I, am... I had my mic muted there. That was my bad. Uh, Carson actually, oh, actually had a good point there. What I was asking Thanks, was, Carson. Uh, did we actually know um, if this is going to be a bad look on the UFC or not? And you were starting to answer that it would be a bad look if Jake Paul knocks out ben askren like jake robinson or <laughs> i'm mixing it all up nate, See, nate. <laughs> it's the live stream curse uh nate robinson is what i was saying but yeah yeah so continue on with your answer about that sorry for having my mic muted i have to remember to un unmute so there we go as i said jay has been training with jake paul so if you understand his head's a bit jumbled he's been taking digs off one of the greatest knockout artists in the sport at the moment but um yeah, look, I'm all happy for Ben. Go and make your money. There's nothing wrong with that, buddy. But am I worried? Yes, I'm terrified. I loved uh, McMally's tweet yesterday. He basically wrote an, an open letter to uh, Ben Askren just saying, like, you hold the hopes of a whole sport in your hands. Please don't lose. And that's exactly how I feel. Like, I mean, like, we're all going to watch this. Like, do, like, don't even lie. We're going to be watching this shit. And um, I am very worried. Because Ben Askren, all I'm seeing is guys putting out that meme where he's doing that warm-up thing before his first fight against Robbie Lawler. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. If, I, I'd probably favor Jake Paul, to be quite honest. Oh, holy shit. That's I think 27.4K likes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, yeah. Max. How'd you miss it? Like Mally, baby. <laughs> Twitter, get him that verified check already. Jesus, that's an, <laughs> shit, on, on yeah, real. Damn. Uh, but... Go ahead, Bailey. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know where to start breaking this down with with analysis. I mean, one thing I will say is I, I'm not a big fan of of the food truck diaries uh, series, but I did see Mike Tyson on there talking a little bit about what this sort of movement means for boxing, and he made a few good points about just you know it's about guys you know. Uh, taking the sport in their own hands, setting their ways, making their money. And, you know, they're bringing attention to combat sports. It's never generally a bad thing. However, 
these two fights the problem with with <laughs> with two guys that, that that don't really know look ben askren's been training mma for a long time i i and he's fought some of the scariest dudes you know in his divi respective division in his respective organizations defensively his striking is is going to be more than adequate you know he, he did take them down but he also survived each round on his feet you know but offensively is going to be a different question and you know jake as well sure he's been doing boxing for a little while um but offensively he is nowhere near you know the same skill set as any you know professional boxer so when you have two guys who offensively aren't very good typically you know it's either a complete wild fest or, or or nothing really happens you swing you miss unless you're nate running into punches like a maniac so I feel like it's probably just going to go the distance and Jake might get tired. And in that case, then Askren might be able to, you know, overtake him. I don't know how good uh, Askren's gas tank is in that situation, but I think offensively that neither of them are particularly proficient. I mean, I'm sure people in chat or even, you know, you, you as well, PT, anyone who's, who's done a bit of sparring knows it's not necessarily easy to hit another human being in the face, especially with big old gloves and they're trying not to get hit. So, I don't think there's going to be any kind of crazy knockout from 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 Paul unless one of them gets gets tired. Um, you know, I'd like to. I haven't really seen too much of Askren Strike. I mean, I'm going to go back and watch some stuff, you know. But um, I can say that you know, although um, it's Jake Paul, right? Jake Paul hasn't been training for very long. You know, it kind of tells in his movements. He's not kind of a someone that appears to me who, who's naturally got the ability to to move their body and and you know. Uh, just just perform you know sometimes you teach someone how to box and, and they, they they have a command over their body that some people just don't you know a lot of break dancers do they just able to move their body and, and they can connect their brain to their muscles and there's a fluidity to their movements i don't see that from either of the the paul brothers and they i mean they're, they're athletes sure to a certain extent but they're, they're very stiff very methodical and i don't think that's going to help in Mate, landing right. a, a clean punch but nate robinson ko of the year all right this kid is gonna shake things up in the boxing world, all right? He is gonna. I'm happy to see him against GGG now. To be honest, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Put him in against Golovkin. The kid can box. I'm turning your camera <laughs> off. Um, I'm gonna. Mute I would. Uh, you. I'm gonna mute you for I, that. That is so bad. I'd like to. <laughs> I'd like to see this. Uh, I'd like to see this bully, bully beatdown style. You know, like you have five minutes of like striking and then five minutes of grappling. That's what yeah. I want to see. Like this isn't a fair fight unless they do that, you Not know. So that's what I want to see. But I mean, like I, I, you can you can say what you want about the the Paul brothers, like, but they're not going to take fights. They're not going to win. They're not idiots. Like, of course you can fight Ben Askren, you know. Like, although he was calling no, for we, Conor McGregor, but like they're not going to take fights they can't win. So or fight celebrities and people. Can have fight, so. Do we all agree that we aren't 100% confident that Askren can do this? Because that's what I'm coming at. I'm not, I am not confident. But again, offensively, I mean, what's he going to do? Like, it's the same with Jake. Like, offensively, Jake has a lot of power, but the technique, you know, if, if Askren's avoiding punches from some of the, you know, the top professional talent in the world, then, you know, he could probably do it against, you know, Jake Paul. But offensively again Askren's you know he's he's not I just don't see them doing anything to each other I just I just see a lot of nothing happening Jay what do you reckon do you think he has a chance Askren do you think he do you think he does it do you think he does it I think honestly? he has a chance I think he has a chance do you think he does it though um 
Man, there's such a big part of me that just does not give a fuck about this fight. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be so real with you. Yeah, right now. I know, I know. That's why uh, when you brought it up uh, for for the chat, I was like, I know, I know, a lot of people want to talk about it, and I respect that. But for me, it's just like, God damn it, dude! Like, he's not a he's not a boxer, you know. Like, here's the fan sentiment, just to kind wow. of give you an idea. Wow. Faith Rocks, Askren is going to get murdered. Please don't get our hopes up from Faith Rocks. Good to see you in here, by the way. Askren isn't well representing MMA, says JTVO. He's not representing. <laughs> he's representing old athletes looking relevancy to cash in, looking for relevancy to cash in. I won't watch. Yeah. I'll just see the memes afterwards. Ben Askren with a flying heel hook. What I wish they would go and do <laughs> is add in a little bit more of the standard K1 kickboxing rules where they allow like the Muay Thai trips and things like that and just yeah, add K1. Let's just do K1 rules to even it out a little bit because there's nothing about Ben Askren that has been training for anything boxing-wise. So I, I do think he'll probably lose, and it's because he we saw him in the Damian Maya fight. We saw that, and that's just who he is. That's that's the fighter that he is. Should have done Lobov v. Jake Paul as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I will never get over it. I'll never yeah. get over it. It's the most memeable fight of all time. You put Lobov in there with Jake Paul. Oh, that would be better. I that think would that's be better. amazing. I'll watch and that I guarantee, one for sure. I guarantee everyone will be like, yes, Artem represents MMA. <laughs> Can you imagine the state Askren's body is in as well? Like after years of wrestling and like, like yeah. he must be, his knees probably don't even work. You know, like I don't, I don't know where he's at, but. It's not looking good. A stiff breeze might topple him. Well, so getting back to kind of that original question, so then he does lose. Is this actually bad for the sport, though? Kind of getting back oh, to yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, 100%. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Like, it's terrible, but it's happening. And, and that's what I always tell you. I know you guys don't want to talk about this, but it's happening. And when things happen, it's the media's job to talk about it. So that mm. is what we're doing. It is, and what happens after that? Who does he? Who does he try and fight yeah, next? Hopefully he said he's he going to keep fighting someone. MMA guys. Who, who's next? Well, what about if the reverse? Dylan. <laughs> Let, what, let's throw out the reverse scenario. Let's say Ben Askren just KOs Jake Paul. Stiff. That'd be amazing. And we've been saying that we think Jake Paul's probably going to win it because he's actually been training boxing and notoriously Ben Askren doesn't really have a lot of boxing going on. So if he knocks him out, is this done? Is it done and dusted? Like oh, nobody's yeah. ever oh. going to want to see Jake Paul do anything ever again. No, I mean, no. he's still going to have his YouTube show yeah. or whatever. But he's well, not going to be. I mean, in, I mean, in the ring, of course. I disagree. I think they'll both just keep fighting until they can't anymore, regardless if they win or or lose. I mean, son of I don't, a bitch. Yeah, son of a bitch. I don't think I they'll ever really stop. Ben doesn't do that. People are going to watch, aren't they? I was looking for the like silver the lining there. I was looking like we I just hope get Ben rid of just guy. clinches him. I hope Ben just clinches him the whole time and just just hits him and that's it. Just fucking double legs up and just yeah, caves his head in. Imagine that he just picks him up and fucks him on the ground and just beats the shit out of him. I would not be, be mad at that. I would not be mad at no, that. No, no, that's what I'm saying. We could all have our dreams come true here. Choked him. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so let's jump into the comments a little bit more here. I'm not sure if there's anything else you guys want to talk about. We'll probably go on for about 15 more minutes here. Um was a joke about the need. Didn't read too much into it, dude, says Oscar Pax. And so I guess people are making jokes about his movement. Jake Paul is going to keep calling out MMA fighters to box if he beats Ben Askren, says Howard Trent. Good to see you in here, Howard Trent. Absolutely yeah, Howard. agree. MMA is over with Jake wins, says JTVO. Uh, <laughs> absolutely brutal stuff. What does JTVO think? Does JTVO think uh, Askren can beat him? I know he doesn't want to watch, but I'm just wondering because he's, uh, mm. he's saying MMA is over. I just wonder, does he think Askren can... 
and beat them up. Good question for the number one pound for pound commenter. We'll we'll have to. See I d- I disagree with Shane as well. Shane says MMA won't be over, but that will be the end of MMA fighters in boxing. No, it won't. This will never end. Why would it end? Why would it? Why would it ever end? It will just keep going. If anything, there's going to be more. There's only ever going to be Mate. more if they keep doing it. I mean. Mayweather v Connor too, guys. Just let's keep on praying that it happens. You know, well, that's Connor all might we can do. do the Pacquiao fight this year. He might, he might not fight anyone. We spent that's half gone. an hour talking about what he's doing. He, he'll gone. get knocked out by Pacquiao, I think, maybe. But <laughs> I like the Ryan Garcia and Pacquiao fight. I'm happy with that. That that's the alternative that's come out of Connor not beating Poirier. I really like Ryan Garcia v Manny Pacquiao. So sign me up for that. Yeah, count me in for that one as well. That's way more interesting. It's a big name. It's actually in the same yeah. sport, the sport that they're both pros at. Let's go oh. for that. Imagine that. Nick Diaz versus Jake Paul. Yes, please. Oh, I'll take that. Oh, one yeah. That's what I was, that was, I was praying for that. I was praying for a Diaz brother v. Logan Paul. That would be the greatest <laughs> thing that's ever happened. Oh, Come my on, God. Be a massacre. Well, uh, JT vote to answer your question said no chance Askren is going to look like Ronda against Nunes. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that's what Ooh. I think. That's all. I'm sorry. 60 I agree second with finish. <laughs> Just done like that. Yeah. yeah. It'd be scary at the start. But I, I think he can change He's been in there with some very, very high-level strikers, and he and he, he took them down and beat them. Like he did. Yeah, but box you them. can still you can still clinch in boxing. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like he offensively, I have no idea what Askren's going to do. But if he can like survive for like four or five rounds, long, they, they separate you. Depending on the referee, they don't even let you clinch. Look at Mayweather well, mate, v. Mate, Robertson clinched for a fight, didn't but, he? But. It depends on the referee. You can never guarantee. And I'm pretty sure that Jake Paul will be calling the shots with Triller. So mm-hmm. he's going to be like, same as Mayweather did uh, when he fought Hatton. He was the only way Hatton could have done any damage was to fight him on the inside. So every time they clinched, the referee just stepped in immediately and separated them. So I, I, had a feeling, I have a feeling that that's the way this will go down as well, to be honest. Gotcha. Well, um, yeah. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to touch on while we we're on the chat? Um, I was just you. Ooh, yeah, on the chat. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, mm. let's get that figured out. Um Yeah, there's not really like a ton of news uh that's really come out this week outside of those two kind of big bookings. There he is. <laughs> I seen I seen that de- delayed you touching the camera. There we go. Well done. Um well, here here's a question that I wanted to ask and maybe we can just kind of end on this one and and, and call it a day. But one of my questions are for Dustin, bringing it back to Poirier, what is his legacy now? He's beaten Max Holloway twice. Obviously, one was very young in his career, but he's got a win over him while he was still champion in his first reign. Of course, you know, he he, he doesn't have the, the belt now again, but uh, it looks like he'll have that soon, possibly. He has a win over Justin Gaethje now. He has a win over Connor now. Tons of former champions, yet he's only had an interim title from said Max Holloway fight. Where do you rank him among the all-time greats? How can you rank him without an undisputed title? I think it's hard without Habib. I think Habib has left this hole in the division where he's beaten Poirier. And I think, you know, he's going to have to have a few more wins against these other contenders, the likes of Oliveira, Chandler, and guys like that before people are like, well, maybe this uh, version of Poirier could beat Habib if he came back. Maybe that's what will eventually prompt Habib out of retirement if he ever comes out of retirement. But I think, you know, just at face value, I don't know about where he lines up in terms of the great lightweights, but his story is amazing. It's a story of perseverance, resurgence, and, and just believing in himself. I think it's a, it's a brilliant story. I think um, 
it's only made better by the whole Connor situation, the fact that he lost to him so emphatically, and then he comes out and does something like that. And I think the story's only going to blossom further, to be honest. I just have a good feeling about Poirier, uh, where he is mentally, even though I didn't in terms of the whole fight week, I was going, man, something's up with this guy. But when you when you actually find out he was blocking out everything that wasn't directly pertaining to the fight, I think the guy has that mental majesty, man. He's, he's in a great place, and I think he's going to continue to shine. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's going to take a, a few more wins, like you said, for him to be able to to cement a, a bigger legacy because like he hasn't, like you said, he's not even been crowned the, the belt holder yet. And lightweight seems to be the only division where, you know, people often go on these big streaks and never even capture a title. You know, we had it with Tony Ferguson. We've had it a few times. And, you know, he's kind of, I feel like needs to do that old saying of clear out the division. You know, Habib certainly cleared out the division and, you know, Lightweight's another belt that's constantly changed hands. We've never really had a dominant champion. Obviously, Benson had the title for a little bit. RDA had the title for a little bit. And then, you know, then it just changed hands and hands and hands. So I think if Dustin can can, can secure the belt in his next win, defend it at least twice, you know, then we're starting to move towards his legacy being, you know, bigger than it is. But, but in terms of his story, I mean, he's undeniable in who he is and what he's done and what he's achieved and, the grit, the, the tenacity, the, the constant adjustments he's had to make throughout his career as well. He's always been adding to his game, always tweaking, always improving. Um, and like you said, I think blocking things out has just been a hallmark of his entire career. You know, he's always believed in himself way more than anybody else has. And he's always been an elite fighter, but even now it still feels like obviously he's earned the respect that he deserves, but there's still something, you know, quite not there yet for us to sort of bring him into that hall of fame or to have him, stand out above the rest and it just so happens you're in the same era as one of the well, the most dominant mma fighter ever right 29 and 0 right you can't really argue with that so how do you stand out above that i think you've got to clear out the division you, you've got to capture the title and you've got to defend it but the problem is i just i don't even know if he if he even if he could do that does he even want to do that to me it sounds like he's almost there he's almost ready to to, to walk away from the sport maybe not now maybe three four four more fights but you know he said it in the post-fight interview you know i'm i'm this is just something i do you know i'm bigger than this you know he has his his foundation he has all these other things he's putting his energy towards now and he's already he's already written his legacy you know if he fights for the belt and loses it and doesn't get never wins the title he's his legacy's already set in stone he's already gone on the run you know he beat everyone up the division lost to habib but then habib retires so yeah it, it's almost like he's his his legacy's already written or maybe he'll add to it maybe maybe that or maybe i'll eat my words two years down the line i'm like oh my god you said that and then dustin got the bell and defended it and then beat usman like we don't really know where he's gonna go but so far you could close the book on dustin really after that conor mcgregor fight and and have that as yeah one of mma's greatest uh journeys i think is he the dc to habib's job yeah uh, uh, it's a very similar situation right mm. i just wonder you know like I, I feel like dc managed to kind of get himself um into that great conversation because he went up a division poirier has said that he'd like to fight at 170 in the future i don't see a matchup there that's jumping out to me apart from masvidal but that's not going to happen because they're teammates but I wonder if that will happen, if he'll ever get an opportunity. If he yeah. will, as you say, underline his dominance at lightweight and then get to a point where people are like, right, let's see. Let's see how he gets on at 170 because 
Jesus Christ, he looked huge. Yeah, he did. He did. I mean, like, listen, he's already beaten the 145 pound greatest ever, Holloway. And then, you know, he beat, he didn't beat Habib, but, you know, he can catch the 155 title. And then if he can go up to 170 and beat like Usman or someone who still holds the belt there, I mean, what more can you say about the guy? You know, Poirier has always been rather unassuming in terms of his, you know, potential. Um, Even when he was hovering around the top five and beating some of these other guys, you know, when he fought Habib, it was definitely like, I remember there were discussions about how he could find a path to victory, but you know, certainly he was still the underdog. He feels like he's always been the underdog. No, no one's ever been like, oh yeah, Dustin Poirier, this guy's amazing. He's unstoppable. You know, no one can stop this man. Like that's what they said about Habib. That's what they said about Connor. You know, they've said that about a few people. Even Tony Ferguson at one point, he's a zombie. No one could beat Tony. No one's really ever said that about Dustin. You know, but here he is. You know, on top of the heap. You know, when it's all said and done, right now. Well, the, Jay deserves credit. I'll say that much. Jay had Poirier since day one. As soon as this fight was announced, I was laughing at him. So, I mean, I will give Jay I'll give Jay all the props in the world because, I mean, it was nothing to do with how the fight week played out. He just called it. He was like, I think that's Poirier's fight all day long. And I was hardy, har, har, har. And, and then look <laughs> at that. Bill. You son of a bitch. Um, appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> it. Um, well, I guess to put a nice bow on this topic, 2021 end of year who's champion uh we'll go with you first pizzi dustin poirier bailey Ooh. see i think if 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 the bronx fights poirier i think the bronx can win that matchup i think he's i think he's rangy enough he, yeah. he'll close distance in a different manner Ooh. i don't think they fight by the end of 2021, you don't think they fight? I think if Poirier fights McGregor twice in a year, he's not fucking fighting anyone maybe ever again. <laughs> he's going to make I, so much fucking money. You know? I'll, put it, I'll put it this way. I, I think it's more likely that um, Poirier finds a reason to walk away from the sport before the end of 2021 than Oliveira. Like, I don't think Oliveira is ever going to stop until he gets his title shot, win or lose. But I think Poirier, I honestly think he doesn't have too many more fights left in him. So he might not even be here by the end of 2021. Whereas I think the Bronx is is someone who's not going to stop or, or, or consider, you know, leaving the sport until he gets to the position where he can get that shot. So I'll say the Bronx. I'll, I'll say Charles Oliveira. I appreciate Wait, the man. shine on I... Oliveira there. Just want to say that. Go, go ahead, though. Oh, I, lo- I love Oliveira, but isn't didn't this two marquee wins in the division, Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson, come in front of crowdless arenas? Like, what is that right? Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson, I mean, no fans. Yeah. Well, a lot of people feel as though, and and people in the division were talking about this. Dan Hooker, most notably, was saying that Oliveira is known as a guy who can falter at the big occasion. We've seen mm-hmm. it in his younger years. He, he obviously True. can be a different fighter now. Poirier is a different fighter than he was when he fought McGregor. But I'm just wondering. You know, fanfare now around Poirier is huge. If he beats Connor again, it's going to get even bigger. And hopefully, I'm really hoping that at the end of 2021, we might be back in full of crowds. And then you're fighting Dustin Poirier in Las Vegas after those two big wins. That's going to be a, a whole lot of pressure on, on Charles Oliveira. I mean, and I wonder if that I, will change the game. I would also like to heavily back Chandler for having the belt by the end of next year. Because not only do I think he can do it, I think the UFC will push him towards it as well. They'll give him the opportunity to fight for that belt 100%. Yeah, could be. Could be. I'm not, I'm not like, 
I'm not 100% on Poirier. Like, I'm not, like, saying definitely. I just feel as though he's the uncrowned champion at the moment. He's already beaten yeah. McGregor. The reason why I picked McGregor against Poirier in the second fight was based on their first fight. I've got to pick Poirier based on the second fight. And um, I think they will do that for the title. Um, I, yeah. I'd love to see. My, my preference would be Oliveira v. Poirier straight away. But I just feel like they got to make hay while the sun shines with Conor McGregor and they're going to do that fight again. <laughs> okay. Love that analogy. Um, well, yeah. I, I think uh, for me, I probably go with Poirier as well. But I do think that Charles Oliveira has been the dark horse for the better part of this past year until he finally had that win over Ferguson. But the way his striking has come together, I really see him as the 155 version of uh, Usman versus, who am I trying to say right now? Burns, there it is. It's the it's the same type of fighter, just at 155. Burns has become a striking uh, clinician on the feet, and then on the ground, he's an absolute wizard on the ground, and he's a nightmare for anybody. I actually predict him to beat Usman for that reason. And Oliveira is in the exact same position, because if he gets you down, you're in a, a world of trouble. But let's not forget, Pettis also subbed him, so he's not yeah, totally so impervious. Weird. Yeah, so weird. I do think that was an unmotivated he, version as well, though. Yeah, I, he's definitely seemed very unmotivated in previous fights. I mean, like you know, he, he like almost he, he almost gave up in the Paul Felder fight, right? He like he almost like half tapped, and Felder just was like, "Oh, you, you, if you're gonna tap, you're gonna tap," and he just postured up and started elbowing him. So, I think motivation's always been a problem, but he seemed very, very assured of himself in the, the most recent countdowns. You know, just this is my time. Like I'm, I'm going to win. This is this is it. This is my shot. And you know, he's got seven finishes in his last eight fights. You know, that's that's pretty impressive. Oh, absolutely. I'm not, I'm very impressed with him myself. I really am. I think he's great. But it's just you you just brought it up. It's those situations that we've seen him in before. Like I, I don't see quitting that uh, Dustin Poirier mm. anymore. True. I don't True. see quitting him. And yeah. I just don't I, like. I, I don't like. I honestly think it's it's up there in the air if those two fight each other. But that's the type of things that would come down to me. Like, who's going to bite down in the bad situations? Who's better in bad situations? Dustin Poirier, one hundred percent. Well, good stuff. Um, on that note, I think uh, it's probably time to take it home. So, if you want to uh, give us a sign off here, PT, I'll start ramping up the music and make it sound good. So, go for it. Thank you so much for listening to our live chat about Jake Paul, the future of boxing. We thank you so much. And we look forward to his fight with Triple G in the next few years. Of course, I'm only joking. Thank you for listening to all of our BS about UFC 257. I think we're all excited about the lightweight division, which is fantastic in terms of the absence of Habib Nurmagomedov. We still have a thriving division here, my friends. Very happy to speak to you from myself from Balian the voice of God Jason we love you very much see you next week <laughs>